Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com. And in 2023, I'm back in the podcasting game. Whether you've been reading me forever or just found me today, I'm glad to have you here with me. Let's talk some Orioles. It's April the 14th, 2023. The Orioles are 7-6. and six. Six games back of the still undefeated, somehow still undefeated, Tampa Bay Rays. Adley Rutschman, of course, delivered the amazing walk-off home run on Thursday afternoon to give the Orioles a victory in that game. He said after the game, it's the first walk-off home run he'd ever hit in his life at any level. It was not very pretty over the course of the four-game series against the the Oakland Athletics, but when it came down to it, the Orioles won three out of the four games, and that's what matters the most. Of course, in Thursday's game, one of the ugly things, we had starting pitcher Cole Irvin. He is just not going deep into games as he did when he was with the Athletics, and he's not displaying the command that he showed when he was with the Oakland Athletics either. Last year, he walked only 36 batters across a total of 30 starts that he made. He's already issued eight free passes in just three starts this season. I'm sure that is not what the Orioles thought they were going to get from him when they acquired him. But we'll see what happens with Irvin. He, in his career, has mostly only been bad in September. And looking at the calendar, well, it's still April. So it's a little bit concerning to see that he's not able to start the season well. I think that one problem might be that last year he was really bad on the road. And, of course, his home stadium was the Cavernous, whatever they're calling the Oakland Baseball Stadium these days. And now he's not going to get to pitch there except for maybe once a year so. Maybe every other stadium is just not very good for Cole Irvin. We would like to think that the Orioles would have thought about that before acquiring him. 
I feel like it would have been more of a Dan Duquette era thing to not consider something so basic in acquiring a pitcher. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I really hope that he's able to turn it around. He's not looking very good so far. And unfortunately, I wonder if Cole Irvin is going to be an option to get bumped out of the rotation when Kyle Bradish comes back from the injured list. Still looks like he's on track to make a rehab start today and then come off the injured list when he's eligible to do so after the minimum 15 days. Uh, of course, Irvin is not the only pitcher not looking well. Dean Kramer not doing very well either. And the Orioles could even just send Grayson Rodriguez back to the minors. All three of these guys have minor league options remaining. So any one of them could maybe get shoved into the bullpen to just do long relief because, of course, current long reliever Austin Voth is not doing any good at all. So it might not be a bad idea to have your worst starter kind of doing long relief instead. Um, but, you know, that's a problem for, I guess, five days from now, and we'll see what the Orioles end up doing. Okay, Thursday's game. It's a great demonstration of the win probability added uh, stat that I've been going over over the since this regular season started on this podcast because we had an Adley Rutschman walk-off to end the game. So in the, in the start of the bottom of the ninth inning, the Orioles in a tie game had a 63.2% chance to win the game. And the reason why they were better than 50-50 is, of course, because they were the home team going into the ninth inning. So Adley Rutschman, first batter, walk-off home run. That gives him a plus uh, 36.8% chance he moved the needle from 63.2 to 100. So that was his contribution. Of course, that was his only hit on the day, but that was enough to make him the most clutch player for the Orioles in the game. And Cole Irvin, unfortunately, was again the least clutch. He single-handedly added a minus 44.3% chance of the Orioles to be able to win that game. Fortunately, the offense was able to pick him up. Uh, Rutschman, this was his first time being clutch in a win, but he has been the most clutch player in three of the Orioles' 13 games so far. Cole Irvin, unfortunately, has been the least clutch player in every game in which he's pitched, which is to say three out of the Orioles' 13 games so far. So that's our running tally. Rutschman, he's amazing. Uh, he's not doing anything to quiet the people who want him to be extended for, you know, all of the years and about all of the millions of dollars promptly. Uh, the price tag is only going up with every passing day uh, as long as he's hitting like this, which is a good problem for the 2023 Orioles to have, but maybe a bit more of a problem for the future Orioles who may be finding themselves getting priced out of being able to have Adley Rutschman beyond his current uh, contract control status. Fortunately, we've got a number of years before we have to worry about that, but time is slowly ticking towards the 2028 season after which Adley Rutschman will become a free agent, unless there's something that the Orioles do to change that by either signing him to a contract extension or, you know what, I don't even want to talk about the alternative right now. That's for a time when the Orioles are losers, which they are not right now. So Adley, very clutch. Great. We're now 8% of the way through the 2023 baseball season. The Orioles, they played 13 of their 162 games. On the pace they're on, they would finish with an 87-75 and 75 record. That would have gotten them a wild card last year, so that's pretty good. This year, well, that's to be determined. Uh, of course, every other AL East team, like the Orioles, will be playing fewer games against the AL East, and they may be able to bone up against other non-division teams, as the Orioles, we can hope, will be able to do as the season goes along. They certainly just did it here against the Athletics, and... 
Well, you know, they didn't do it last year against the bad Detroit Tigers. They were one and five against that team. That's the kind of stuff the 2023 Orioles really, really have to avoid. Okay, so what's good through the first 8% of the season? Keeping in mind, we've got 92% of the season to go. That's a whole lot of baseball. Well, Ryan Mountcastle, he's already hit six home runs. That's pretty good. I guess the thing to say about him is, can he hit home runs against teams who are not the Open Athletics, who have one of the worst pitching staffs so far? Adley Rutschman, he's playing like a most valuable player candidate. He's got a 467 on base percentage so far this season. It's really amazing. Like I said, his price tag is only going up. So I really hope that whatever has prevented the Orioles from engaging in those negotiations so far, I hope they freaking get over it and start getting serious because it would be nice to have Adley Rutschman be a career-long Oriole. Okay, of course, these are not the only two good players. Austin Hayes is also OPSing over 1,000 so far in the 2023 season, which is good because his defense is not very good so far, including one more play on Thursday afternoon. He took a really bad route on just in the first inning, first batter of the game, turned what maybe could have been a catchable ball into a double. I just, I don't know what's going on with the outfield defense, guys. But okay, this is the good section. Let's, let me stop. Let me stop with the negativity. Kyle Gibson, he's had some very good results over his first three starts. And of course, as we've outlined on this podcast, he really deserves to have a lower ERA than he does. The defense really screwed him in his first start in Boston. He could have had many fewer earned runs there. In the bullpen, there's been some solid performance, really very good performance from all of Felix Bautista, Mike Bauman, and Danny Colomb so far. Colomb, a zero ERA still through six games. That is just... You know, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, I kind of ridiculed that acquisition. I didn't know what the point was, and maybe it will still turn out to not do very well, but you couldn't, you literally cannot do better than a zero ERA over your first six games, and that's what Cologne has done. So for the Orioles to have brought him in, I think mostly to have an extra veteran with Michael Givens starting on the injured list, it's, it's been a smashing success for the duration of Givens' absence so far. What he's going to do from here, that's to be determined, of course. But again, you can't get a better start than a zero ERA. So that's that's the good. That's what's helped the Orioles to seven wins. And unfortunately, there is a bit to say that is bad. Namely, the Orioles have allowed 73 runs so far in their first 13 games. That's 5.61 runs per game. 26th in Major League Baseball. It is not a category where you want to be ranking 26th in Major League Baseball. Again, I mean, the outfield defense, it, it just remains an issue, and it didn't stop happening in Boston. So I don't know what needs to get figured out, but hopefully the Orioles can figure it out. Doubly so, because two-thirds of their outfield currently is not hitting very well. Anthony Santander and Cedric Mullins both are scuffling a bit to start off the season. Another scuffler, not in the outfield, Gunnar Henderson. He's only batting 164 so far this season. Now, of course... We all know better than to judge a player solely on his batting average, and Gunnar Henderson, with his 10 walks, is leading the team and does have a decent on-base percentage. But if he's going to continue batting under 200, I think he's going to find the on-base percentage will not continue to do well. And I really hope that whatever is causing him to not really be able to put good wood on the ball most of the time is something that he's going to be able to resolve as time goes along. The pitching, well, we know what's been struggling about the pitching. Cole Irvin, Dean Kramer, neither of them very good. Out of the bullpen, Austin Voth and Keegan Aiken are both kind of messy. 
And Logan Gillespie and CNL Perez are both shaky as well. Now, I've just named 40% of the starting rotation along with 50% of the bullpen. So, you know, that's more numbers. Or that's, that's a larger number of players than you would like to hear struggling up to this point. The good news, I think, is that the Orioles don't have to be wedded to these guys. They can shuffle out players who are not performing up to the what the Orioles need them to do and try different players. I think we're going to see the start of that whenever Kyle Bradish comes off the injured list, whatever they decide to do with rotation. We'll see it when Michael Gibbons comes back from the injured list and Dylan Tate, although that's maybe still more like two weeks to or even a month away. And that's going to shuffle these guys off. Maybe people like Nick Vespi or Joey Crable at Norfolk could get called up. Or even for the starting rotation, guys like Spencer Watkins or Bruce Zimmerman, if the Orioles decide that they're looking better than some of the strugglers in the rotation. I hope everybody figures it out and it can just happen without cutting people loose. But that's for Mike Elias and his team to get a handle on. And, you know, all we can hope for is that one way or another, they're able to plug some of these holes and get themselves, rather than just muddling along around 500, rattle off a nice winning streak and then stay above 500. I will be right back after a brief message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next up for our favorite baseball team, they are traveling to Chicago. They're going to play three games against the Chicago White Sox. Good news about playing the Chicago White Sox. They are one of the only pitching staffs that's worse than the Orioles so far this season. They have allowed 5.92 runs per game up to this point. So let's hope the Orioles' offense is able to take advantage of that. The White Sox offense, a bit more middle of the pack. I believe they're about 18th, somewhere in the 16th to 18th range for Major League Baseball so far. So that doesn't necessarily mean the Orioles' pitching staff is better than them, but it is sort of an encouraging sign. And of course, it maybe doesn't mean anything because the Oakland offense was very bad before the Orioles started playing this series. And the Orioles really ended up allowing a ton of runs to that glorified AAA lineup. Can't really talk trash about them after as many runs as they scored against the Orioles over the course of these last four games. But, you know, the Orioles won three out of the four games. So that's what we're going to have to hang our hat on. And we're going to have to hope that they can do better against the Chicago White Sox. Maybe have a comfortable win, you know, not give up a ton of runs. Maybe they can do it. They're going to need to do it if they're going to win the series because there's already one tough matchup on the calendar. On Sunday, they are scheduled to face White Sox starting pitcher Dylan Cease. He was the runner-up to the 2022 AL Cy Young, and he's looking pretty good in his early action in the 2023 season. So that's already an uphill battle to maybe try and win that finale if they go into the game needing the finale to get the series win. Of course, it's going to be Grayson Rodriguez pitching for the Orioles heading into that final game. So I am hoping that Rodriguez can look better than he has looked up to this point as well. If he has another kind of stumbling game, it's only going to give the Orioles an excuse to send him down when Kyle Bradish comes back, which I have, I've said before and will say again, I think whatever Rodriguez needs to learn, 
you probably need to learn it at the big league level. There are other starting rotation guys who could be sent down instead, who are also struggling even more than Rodriguez, honestly. And so, well, we'll see how he pitches. That'll be something to talk about on the next podcast episode. And perhaps sometime next week, we'll see if he gets sent to the minors or whatever. But that's our next series, the White Sox. Continuing with another regular feature, let's talk about the prospect of the day. And moving along, we're now to number three on the composite top 20 Orioles prospect list. You can see the list for yourself. I've got it pinned on the CamdenChat.com front page. It's made up of an average of five main public or five well, four national mainstream publications prospect lists, as well as one local one, the fellow Orioles podcasters that prospect focused on the verge. And the national ones are Fangraphs, Baseball America, The Athletics, Keith Law, and MLB Pipeline. So average all those together, and we get a top 20 Orioles prospect list. Number three, he's Jackson Holiday. He's going to quickly become a favorite prospect for everybody as this season goes along, I think, especially as Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez lose their prospect status. Holiday, number one overall pick last year. Of course, the son of a major, longtime Major League Baseball player, Matt Holiday. I was impressed with Jackson Holiday, where immediately after being drafted, he set a goal of being the uh, being in Major League Baseball up to the big league level in two years after being drafted. That would be amazing if he's able to do that. For now, he's playing for the low A Delmarva Shorebirds. Although, to be honest with you, I don't know why he's still there. As I'm recording this, it's Thursday night. He's going to play a game later, but. For now, he's got 17 games in his career at the low A level. He's batting 290 with a 457 on base percentage, 452 slugging percentage. I think he's ready to be kicked up to the Aberdeen Ironbirds because it doesn't seem like low A is offering him much of a challenge. We will see. Jackson Holiday, he's currently the number 10 prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. And when the Orioles chose him, it was kind of a mild swerve. Some people thought maybe they were going to draft uh, Drew Jones, the son of longtime major leaguer Andrew Jones. Drew Jones was drafted by the Diamondbacks, and there was also in the mix Termar Johnson, who ended up getting drafted by the Pirates. So I think those are the guys who will be compared, or Holiday will be compared against, much like in 2020, I got really surprised when the Orioles drafted Heston Kerstad instead of, at that time, Vanderbilt's Austin Martin. Um, so far, well, Kerstad had kind of a star cross start to his professional career, looking pretty good to start the 2023 season. We'll have more to say about him on a later episode. So one thing to keep in mind, Holiday, although people talked as if he might be something of a bargain option, he in fact received the top signing bonus in the 2023 draft. So he felt his talent warranted that, and the Orioles, they were not looking to save a buck. They signed, they drafted at number one, the player who they thought was the best. They gave him the most money of anyone in the draft class. And, you know, so far it's looking pretty good. Of course, it's very early in his pro career, but he just looks amazing. At the time, uh, excuse me, at the current uh, ranking on the Athletics' Keith Law's ranking, Holiday is number 19 going into this season. And Law had some pretty good praise for Holiday so far, although he wasn't in his top 10, as he was on some other lists. And here's what Law said in part about Holiday. Quote, Holiday has a pretty left-handed swing that produces hard line drive contact, and he's shown advanced feel for the strike zone at a young age. For now, he has more doubles or gap power, but as he fills out, he's going to put more balls over the fence, probably becoming a 20-25 to 25 homer guy at his peak. 
He's a plus runner who shows plenty of range at shortstop with enough arm for the left side of the infield. End quote. And Law also believes if for some reason Holiday is not able to stick at shortstop, that he has the speed to handle center field, which would still mean that he would fit in as an up-the-middle player, and those are very valuable. Mike Elias likes getting his hands on them, so that is good. I certainly hope he can stay at shortstop. I think that it would be very good for the Orioles to just have a player who comes up and is one of the best young shortstops in the game right away. We'll see if that's what fate has in store for the Baltimore Orioles, but Holiday looking pretty good so far. Fingers crossed that he is able to continue that for the remainder of the 2023 season and beyond. Before I wrap it up, I'm going to dig into the mailbag. You can email me if you would like at camdencastpod at gmail.com, and I will try my best to read at least one email every episode. Today, our email comes from Camden Chat reader Dave AA. Now, in the last episode, Dave noted my comment about Grayson Rodriguez's uh, performance in the Stuff Plus, the Muse uh, metric, and he wondered if Grayson Rodriguez ends up as a top 20 Major League Baseball pitcher, would he count as an ace? And Dave also wondered my thoughts on what is an ace generally. So Dave and anyone else who's interested, I, my take on ace, I kind of look at, uh, at, there was a Supreme Court justice named Potter Stewart, and he issued an opinion in a case called Jacob Ellis v. Ohio in 1964. The case was about obscenity. And here's what Potter Stewart said about obscenity. I know it when I see it. I take that view about a lot of things. Sometimes you just can't really fully explain it. And it's just, uh, it's just a feel thing, a vibe thing, I guess, as the cool kids today would say. So my thoughts on Ace. I think teams and fans get kind of carried away labeling their guys as Ace. So I think more people get called Ace than maybe are actually Ace. I don't have a strict definition. My, my vague idea, I think, is more strict than some people, though. I feel like, in general, to count as an Ace, you really want to have a starting pitcher who has multiple years of exceptional quality, Let's see, maybe two seasons as one of the top 20 pitchers in all of baseball. So just for some examples, last year's top three pitchers, according to Baseball Reference War, there was Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. He had a 2.74 ERA starting in 2020 through last year. Verdict, ace. Amazing. Dylan Cease, as the Orioles are going to face him in the next series, he was the Cy Young runner-up last year. But he had a 3.91 ERA in the 2021 season, so I think he's not quite on the ace level. But he's off to a great start in 2023, so if he's still doing that by all-star break, maybe we can start calling him an ace. Third on the pitcher BWAR list, Shohei Otani, just the absolute baseball wonder boy. Going back to 2020, he's got a 2.57 ERA. That's amazing. Ace. Okay, no question about it. So let's focus more on our favorite team, the Orioles. Have we had any aces lately? Um, sorry, we have not. I think the best recent Orioles pitcher um, for having kind of multi-year track record was Chris Tillman. I don't believe he ever really hit the quality of really, really good over a long period of time. He was good, but not great. And the Orioles had maybe a one-season ace in Eric Bedard before they traded him to the Seattle Mariners for Adam Jones and Chris Tillman. But he really only had the one great year. And thankfully, then-GM Andy McPhail was able to parlay that into what turned out to be a franchise-altering trade. So to me, the last Orioles ace was Baseball Hall of Famer Mike Mussina, 
who was on an ace-level run pretty much uninterrupted from about 1992 through 1999. It was good. It's too bad the Orioles were not better every year that they had Mike Mussina helping them. That's just the way it goes. So it's been nearly 25 years since the Orioles had an ace, and good luck Grayson Rodriguez with maybe being the next ace. Um, maybe somebody like D.L. Hall could come and surprise us too if he can ever stop walking so many guys. But we are still waiting in the 21st century, I think, for the Orioles to have an ace. Uh, I, I just don't think every number one starter is an ace, although every team has a number one starter. Not all those guys are aces. You know, Kyle Gibson, he's not an ace. No offense to him, but he's just not. Hopefully he is able to be what the Orioles signed him to be. Okay, so that's the mailbag. Again, you can email me, camdencastpod at gmail.com, and I will be happy to read at least one every episode that I get one. So... If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing, subscribing, and leaving a rating or review. You can search for Camdencast on most modern podcasting platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and more. If I miss listing yours and you don't see it on there, please email me and let me know. I will try my best to get it anywhere that I can. New episodes of this show come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Monday morning after this White Sox series. Hopefully we've got something good to talk about. In the meantime, you can tweet me at Camden Chat, and I will be happy to interact with you there, provided, of course, that Twitter actually shows me when I get tweets at me. A little bit dodgy these days. You've probably heard there's been some problems. Hopefully they can get that figured out. But anyway, at Camden Chat, that's where you can find me between episodes, and of course, on the comments section at CamdenChat.com. So, if I don't see you there, uh, I'll see you on the next podcast. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.